back to the Go Gamecocks podcast, a short and sweet podcast from the state that you can listen to in its entirety during your commute. This is Dwayne McLemore. I'm the sports editor here at the state, filling in for Greg Hadley, joined by our do-it-all Swiss Army Knife reporter, Ben Briner. Ben, you're on your way to a wedding. Feels like we just came from a funeral. As best you can, summarize what we just saw at Bank of America Stadium with the underdog UNC pulling the upset 24-20 to over the Gamecocks. That was a bad performance. That was, I don't know if it was the worst performance of the Will Muschamp era because there have been some doozy blowouts, give or take, but that might have been right up there just in terms of a team coming out and looking so sloppy, looking so, it's hard to, it's hard to use the phrase unprepared because you don't know the exact intricacies of preparation, but to be honest, they had units that just didn't, look up to snuff that's what it was they looked like they maybe had the talent but they weren't playing well in any way shape or form well, my wife and son are big Gamecock fans and their reactions were these we just don't play well in that stadium and my wife said Alabama's going to beat us by 70 you were in the press box I was on the field taking photos a thought I had during the game over and over was it didn't feel like a new season to me it felt like it was just the next game of last season. A Twitter follower told us you literally had eight months to improve. Talking season didn't match what we saw in Charlotte, did it? It certainly did not. And I think some of that is that talking season, and really any sports offseason, is built to a degree on hope. Uh, you know, every year Buffalo Bills writers tend to write more about what might go right the next season. And every season, most of the time, the Bills are who the Bills are. So I think part of that's the fun of sports is there's buildup and then there's that sort of interesting reality. The problem is that that reality hits South Carolina like a ton of bricks. I don't, I don't think that they're as bad as they played yesterday. I think maybe a little like the basketball team last year, which was be- ended up better than it was at the beginning of the season because Chris Silva wasn't playing up to his usual level. I think that there's more potential in there. The problem is this is football and you only get 12 chances. Each one counts for a lot. And frankly, that was a chance that they needed not to blow, and they blew it in pretty spectacular fashion. Coach Muschamp after the game was clearly more upset with the defense than he was the offense. Here are some of the remarks he made. Uh, you know, defensively extremely disappointed with the tackling and, and uh, lack of tackling uh, in the game. You give up two over 90-yard drives where, you, where you're using Joe as a weapon to, to pin him back and, and thinking in terms of, uh, you know, making a play and get off the field and had a couple critical third downs we don't make plays on. Uh, and then, you know, just a tackling and leveraging of the ball. So, Well, what was the, the thinking like on the, the fourth and one to go ahead and punt that instead of trying for it? When you pin them back on, on the five-yard line, I felt confident about our defense coming into this game and, and making some stops. And, uh, you know, they, they had gained some yards. We'd made some stops in the red zone in the first half. But, you know, again, you, you, you played the percentages there with I felt comfortable about our defense, and obviously I was wrong. So we've got to go back and reevaluate in those situations and leave our offense on the field. Now, Ben, your report card from the game, you gave the defense especially a lot of low marks. Talk about that. Um, you even mentioned that some of the most critical mistakes in the game were from the defense. Well, I, t- I, I went after the defense a little bit just because you look at some of those numbers – I want to say they, they allowed over 10, 10 yards per attempt to a freshman quarterback making his first college start. That's really bad. Uh, I think he had 15 completions. Nine of them went for 15 or more yards. That is also very bad. 
the running game the running defense was a little up and down in the first half and then for pretty much the entire second half until North Carolina was trying to kill the clock it was just bad people po- popping out of gaps people not being able to make tackles people diving at feet um it just it wasn't what you expected especially cuz that that group has talent there's three good defensive backs at least in some interesting freshmen there's linebacker depth there's defensive t- line depth and nobody played particularly well I, I posted this stat uh, late last night, which was the, the yards per play allowed, which is a, a pretty good baseline statistic, would have been tied for the third worst performance last season. But that's not against Georgia. That's not against Florida. That's not against Clemson. That's not against Alabama. That's against a North Carolina team with a new quarterback and a new offense that I think has pieces. And for all I know, we'll get to the end of the season. They'll actually be an eight or nine win ACC team because they have a soft schedule. But for the moment, that was supposed to be a team that was still figuring things out. And even though it made a bunch of mistakes, it still kind of trampled South Carolina. Talk about Jake Bentley next, South Carolina senior quarterback on pace to break some school records. Doesn't really feel like he has a lot of support outside of the program. There was a lot of negative reaction last year, especially when he announced that he was going to come back for a senior season. You wrote a piece about that. I tried to think back to the last quarterback since I've been around this program who's had as much, who's been as much maligned as Jake Bentley. And the best I could come up with was Chris Smelly. Smelly was Smelly was Spurrier's first big quarterback commitment signee. Came in, played well at times, made mistakes at times, but fans could not wait to see Steven Garcia play. And I think that a lot was part of the reason that Smelly struggled down the stretch and wound up transferring. You watched all of Bentley's throws, re-watched them, charted them. What did you see, and what do you make of his familiar post-game remarks of, I just need to play better? Well, I mean, that, that, that was one of his most accurate things that he did that day. He did need to play better. Um, a lot of this offense, and a lot of any college football offense, is really just a quarterback making the plays that make sense. The offense functions a certain way, you read it correctly, you throw the ball where it needs to be, go from there. Really, for a quarterback, there's going to be maybe five, maybe seven throws in a given game where he makes something really interesting happen, where he puts a ball exactly where it needs to be, and a lot of it is going to be just, you know, find the space, get the ball to the playmaker, go from there. On that front, he was occasionally okay when not being pressured, but he was being pressured basically the whole day. The The offensive line, especially in pass protection, had a really rough day, so people were hitting him in the feet, people were hitting him, he was scrambling all over. And the problem is that when you're a senior quarterback, if you escape pressure, you have to make a team pay. You have to, you know, find that guy that's wide open. And he really just wasn't able to do that. There were a couple of escapes when he'd set his feet and then and then flick the ball and it would, you know, be behind someone, they'd drop it or it would be a little too far. Um, his fade balls were particularly ineffective. And, and the throw that is going to stand out really to everyone is the late one, um, when he basically had Shai Smith open for the game-winning touchdown. He did have Shai Smith open for the game-winning touchdown, and I was standing in the end zone and watched it happen and thought, that really couldn't have been as wide open as it looked just from where I was standing. So I went and I, I asked some of the other reporters who were still up in the press box, and they said, yeah, no, that looked pretty wide open. I pulled up the TV, uh, the TV shot, and it was a pretty perfect play. The threat of Kyle Markway pulled the safety out. Um, several underneath receivers pulled away those defenders, and he had he hit had he hit that pass. Maybe he's not the hero, but everything feels different. 
and instead he doesn't. And there were a couple of chances where he could have maybe hit that pass, and he just didn't do it. I think we can say with 100% certainty that freshman quarterback Ryan Helensky will play this week against Charleston Southern. You agree with that? That would probably be fair, assuming they can build a big enough lead. Now, with the redshirt rules, South Carolina can play them in four games and still pr- preserve that redshirt year. I think we'll talk more about it when we actually preview Charleston Southern in the middle of the week. But let's go ahead and address it here. How much is is this game potentially an audition for Ryan Helensky? I don't know if it's a short-term addition, just because you wouldn't want to turn around and throw a true freshman against Bama. That's not a recipe for success. That's a recipe to get your true freshman hurt. What I think it can do is I think if he goes out there and he looks clean and he plays well, he distributes the ball, he does what's asked, I think it sort of plants that seed. It sort of gives him that it's almost like an internship on a resume. It's not necessarily going to get you hired to a great job right off the bat, but it'll get you it'll at least get you some attention and maybe that pays off down the road. I still think for for Jake Bentley the biggest well the, the two things that are going to kind of define if he can stay on the field are first how does he look against Alabama, you know, if he if he just has a complete meltdown and throws five picks, you know, you might see him starting the next week at Missouri. If he doesn't, you're going to have Missouri, which had their own disaster of a first game, and you're going to have Kentucky. And so my question is going to be, in the Alabama-Missouri-Kentucky stretch, is there some point when Jake Bentley struggles enough, they say, Ryan Holinsky, let's give you a real shot. And I think that just if he can look competent against Charleston Southern, can direct the offense, can maybe have one or or two big kind of plays that inspire a little bit of uh, excitement, that would sort of help his case a few games down the line. One of the PG-rated themes I saw on social media after the game was folks who sort of said that they've been on the fence about Will Muschamp and Jake Bentley and that this game was was the backbreaker for them. They, they've, they've sort of lost all hope in, in Will Muschamp especially. You wrote an analysis after the game with a headline, was Saturday a turning point for the Will Muschamp era at South Carolina? And I don't think we're talking about a good turning point. We are not. You even suggested Muschamp, you know, another year or two, that that this might this the turning point leads to another year or two. John Whittle, the big spur, who John, I think we both respect greatly, mm-hmm. suggested Ray Tanner would have a decision to make sooner than later if things don't turn around. Muschamp's fourth season as a coach at South Carolina. How sideways do things have to get for anyone to seriously consider making a change? I think if he is at four or fewer wins this season there will be a lot of conversation. There will be a ton of conversation. I think if he can climb to five, maybe maybe that holds on. If he goes bowling, he's fine for no other reason than if he goes bowling, it means that he's going to have won one game. Or he's going to have won every, every game that they you would call a toss-up or a must-win outside the North Carolina game, or it means that he's knocked off one of the teams they shouldn't have knocked off. Um I think if they're at four or three or two or even one, one ugly season really can sink a, sink a coaching tenure. And, you know, at Florida, one ugly season didn't quite sink his coaching tenure, but the follow-up did, and a lot of the time that's the case. I do not have his buyout number on hand. I know it is extremely hefty, so I would not be surprised if at four wins he might be able to hold on, but there'll be a lot of chatter. At five, I think he does give or take a whole lot of chatter again. The problem for this season has always been that 
it was going to be unless they pulled off of, it was always going to be in a very narrow band they were either going to beat a Florida or Texas A&M and he'd get hailed as a hero or they were going to lose a couple of games to your Tennessee's your Missouri's and I guess now your North Carolina's and things were going to start getting ugly so I don't know that this ends it this year and frankly he could climb his way out or the schedule could open up in some weird way you know it could, as I said, it could turn out that North Carolina is less bad than we think. But for the moment, this was really a must-win game, assuming other things play out the way that we think they will. Tavian Feaster scores the first touchdown of the 2019 season. Jay Yurick is playing wide receiver in the game to carry on Joyner playing wide receiver in the game. That's exactly what we thought six months ago, right? Exactly. It's it's pretty much what we knew was, was going to come when it was all said and done. No, I... Actually, I think I think six months ago, if you'd said that Joyner and Urich were catching passes, we we might have we might have been able to guess that one. Feaster less so. I mean, it's it's been a weird rebuild for this team, and I think I think some of the way they've spent their scholarships on grad transfers has sort of said that Muschamp knows every win he could get this season was going to matter in a big way. They were going to loom a little larger than some of the earlier ones, and. It just kind of reflects back on the fact that they just had a very good chance to do just that, and mistakes kind of completely took that out of their hands. One of the funnier Twitter comments I saw was a guy who said, it's okay, the schedule only gets easier from here. And I know you've talked about that a little bit, but just remind people, how important was it for South Carolina to win this game? Well, it was important because South Carolina has three games against the top three teams in the country, and... It's very, you know, it was very hard to see them pulling off an upset in any of those beforehand. Then you had Florida and Texas A&M, which Texas A&M should be strong. Florida looked a little weak in their first game, which probably gave some Gamecocks fans hope, less so now. But there were really five games that if you went one in four, you'd feel pretty okay about that. And, you know, if you went 0-5, oh that, that just happens. So that kind of left you with seven games, six of which you needed to win. A lot of them were sort of in the toss-up range, uh, Tennessee, at least until their first game, people thought they might be good. Missouri, same thing. Um, Kentucky, we still don't totally know what they are because they played Toledo. But now they're in a position – but realistically, the assumption was Charleston Southern was going to be a win, and then North Carolina was going to be up there with Vanderbilt and maybe Appalachian State as teams they should be able – to handle, or teams that to get to a bowl, they'd have to be able to handle. And now that North Carolina is an L. So assuming they don't beat any of those top five teams, you've got to run the table with the rest of them. Yesterday was pretty good news for South Carolina just because Missouri took a pretty bad loss at Wyoming and Sean Elliott's Georgia State team upset Tennessee, which changes pretty much everything we knew about them. But still, you know, Appalachian State might be hard. And it's just, it was going to be a rough road beforehand. And now it looks that much more daunting because what seemed like maybe free money, you know, is now gone from their pockets. Okay, that's it for this episode. Join us again midweek when we preview Charleston Southern. Take stock of any other post-UNC developments. Try and enjoy your week, folks, and stay safe if you're near the hurricane.